0: Welcome listeners. Another episode of Unverified Accounts for You. I'm Chris here with Liza and Philip. Hey guys. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Liza. So nice to have you back after the Thanksgiving yeah, break. Oh, it
1: was a nice break. I watched a ton of movies.
0: So this episode, uh, it's going to be a little all over the place because uh, uh, a couple episodes ago we talked about Hasan Minhaj tweeting. Uh, well, actually, it wasn't a tweet. He was an interview where he said... He will never get as many opportunities as a Dax Shepard, even though he's much more attractive than he is. And then <laughs> the poster boy for this kind of white schlubby guy is obviously Seth Rogen. And he recently had a movie called Longshot, which I think came out last year. It was
1: the beginning of 2019 mm-hmm. because it debuted at South by Southwest.
0: I mean, holy fuck, I got a lot of things to say about that. That really has nothing to do with Seth Rogen's attractiveness. But uh, we'll get to that at the end because um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happened. And I really think this, this last week has been one of the dumbest non Trump related weeks on Twitter. I think it's because Thanksgiving news was slow. This transition is not very interesting. It's, it's a, lot, a lot of like political mercenaries uh, in the Democratic elite class jockeying for positions. Trump has gone AWOL. I haven't heard anything from him in a while. So there's
2: been a lot of stupid drama. Online. Is, is he being quiet or is it just that everyone's like everyone's know, ignoring the news, him? Yeah, which one is it? News media is ignoring him to de- delegitimize him you know I,
0: I think people are ignoring him i like i haven't seen yeah you know if you go on twitter you, you get the usual like trump reply guys and gals always uh you know quote tweeting him and, and stuff like that too, i haven't though. seen any That's of that the in thing. a while
1: like i muted trump but i also muted like like brooklyn dad or whatever his name is i muted him <laughs>
0: brooklyn dad defiant <laughs> and like yeah. charlotte um, cliburn
1: yeah, climber charlotte what's her name again yeah yeah. yeah i muted her too
0: Uh let's get to our first order of business actually this is not this is not like nonsense at all. This is actually a big deal. Liza, you should talk more about this because I think you know about this more than we do. The thing about uh, Warner Brothers mm-hmm. uh, going yeah, sure. to HBO Max.
1: So earlier this week, Warner Brothers announced that they are releasing their entire 2021 lineup on HBO Max. And in whatever theaters are still going to be open when we come out of this um, so a lot of people, myself included, thought that it's weird that they're not going to wait and see how Wonder Woman 1984 does when it comes out on streaming. And also the, the second question is, is this going to be a temporary thing, like they said, or is this the new normal for the film industry? And there's, like, there's a couple things before uh, that I don't think is talked about enough in the the broader conversation, but it's important to know that Warner Brothers is actually owned by AT&T now. So of course they want us to stream even more. And like, obviously AT&T, it's not even an entertainment company. They don't care about the box office loss and where HBO max comes in, they happily teamed up with um, Warner Brothers because unlike Netflix and Disney plus, they were lagging behind in terms of subscribers and viewership like unlike netflix they didn't start off with something like a house of cards or orange is the new black or all these other series that got people hooked a long time ago and then with disney like disney is a studio and they also have a streaming service and then plenty of their own products to push you know they they have that just built in and they maintain their subscribers with Shows like The Mandalorian, which has been very successful for their platform.
2: Specifically because it's episodic, right? Like yeah, it comes out yeah, once they, a they week they don't and drop not all the whole thing thing at at once like
1: Netflix. Um so Warner Brothers signing an exclusive deal with HBO just makes them just makes HBO Max a competitor. And then like Amazon also, like they have all the retail and they have prime video and they have their own movie studio, which has been pretty successful. I I I feel like I think that Sony has to, I think Sony is going to do the same thing that Warner Brothers did because Sony Entertainment Studios, like, they don't have, like, a strong streaming presence. Like, the, the last thing that they put out really was, like, Happiest Season, and they put that out on Hulu just because they had no other place to put it.
0: Yeah. I mean like whatever like a lot of the movies I saw coming out didn't even seem that good. I didn't even know they were making a new Suicide Squad. Why the hell are they doing that? But Yeah, I saw that. Yeah,
1: but the the rest of the twenty twenty one lineup, like um like I I really do want to see the new James Bond and like I wanna see Godzilla versus Kong. There are there are movies that I do wanna mm. see.
2: I wanna see the, the I wanna see the Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, I wanna see that too. Mm.
1: Hello Hiroyuki. <laughs>
2: yeah but like besides besides the quality
0: of the movies the thing that really makes me curious is like what what this is going to do to the to the prestige of the american film industry because like they like let's say streaming is uh, almost as profitable as the movies i think there is something though that uh, elevated hollywood uh to a elite level because of the pageantry uh, you know with the premieres and you got all the beautiful movie stars on the red carpet take pictures these get circulated around the globe where even if you like live in a small village uh you somehow get these images transmitted to you but now oh you know if something drops on like hbo max or netflix or something it, it, it's really there's nothing really differentiating it from you know like a like a crappy holiday movie you know it, it still just kind of like sh- takes up the exact same amount of space wait, wait, wait,
2: you're saying that the the thing that the thing that mattered was not you think you are saying the thing that mattered was not whether or not it's actually in a physical theater where you all sit around like facing a big screen like the silver screen you're saying the thing that mattered was that they had these big releases for big movies with like red carpets and like you know like f- photography they're ops still gonna stuff do like that. that is that what you're saying
0: Right, but you, I'm saying you, you can't really have one
2: without the yeah, other. Yeah, but in because, other
1: countries where the pandemic is much better controlled, they are the theaters are open.
0: Right, uh, but you know, if those people could get it on their streaming. And if they can't, they could just use a
2: VPN to get it
0: from, from America. No That's what that. I'm saying. Come on, man,
2: no one does that. I tried, to, <laughs> I tried to do that for Binari the other day when you guys both got, got in because it, it wasn't open in Canada. And I got past the first step and then they blocked me on the second step. And I was like, fuck, these guys really don't want non Non-amer- non-americans to see this movie
1: what? But, so, you, no, but, but like, they'll, Toronto they'll has like way. a major yeah. film festival too and probably that's why it's blocked is because you know it, they don't want to take away the money that could oh, be yeah, made from the Lincoln
0: canadian Center. film festivals yeah philip you don't think they'll easily find a way around that like tomorrow
2: Get, no, I mean, like, is this VPNing is just not a not a common thing unless you're in China. Basically, then uh, well, it's okay, like so, sort of. So common, earlier,
1: but... so so earlier this year, when there was this Filipino movie out and it premiered at, um, uh, or it was showing at the Maryland Film Festival, it was only available to people who lived in Maryland, DC, and Virginia. So if you lived in like LA, you had to wait for it to come to your own local film festival. So it's not. So it's not. I don't think that they don't want Canadians to see the movie. I think that they want Canadians to spend money on Canadian film festivals.
2: Yeah, in Canada's small market, we're talking about like global reach, right? But like Chris, to your point, like, wouldn't wouldn't streaming actually help boost the prestige? Because it actually makes it. Yeah, that's what I think too. I don't to think it's going to do anything to it? American like soft access- power.
1: I think strengthen it is all it's going to do.
2: It makes it more well, accessible. Like, but
0: pres- like streaming will. prestige is different from like the availability
2: okay well hold on think about this way would you say that uh what's that what's that korean drama streaming drama fever yeah would you say that that actually increased the exposure of westerners to korean and other absolutely Like I believe well, so. But
0: American American uh, media does not need any more exposure. That's the the whole point of something like drama fever is takes this unknown uh like totally disrespected okay, type okay, of okay, category okay, yeah. like Korean dramas and actually elevates it to a point where it's on the level of maybe like American uh, network sitcoms, you know, but now mm-hmm. we're talking about American cinema held up as the top of the, okay, maybe some French purists will, will dispute that. But <laughs> still, American movies were uh, considered at the top. These were events, yeah. people where mm-hmm. you would line up for at at movie theaters, you That's know, right. uh, possibly for days and stuff. But now,
2: uh, even for something like Star Wars, just comes out on like HBO Max. It, it's different. It'll most likely and come
1: out on Disney Plus, but.
2: <laughs> do do you guys actually know what happens at these red carpets at these like um, premieres? Do they go on the red carpet and then they all go into like the Grumman's Chinese Theater or whatever in LA and then they watch the movie? Like what actually happens after the? I, photo? I think
0: that's what happens. I, I um
2: okay. And then the next I don't know day if they the out. movie
0: already before. You know, in, in, so that
2: well, of course they're they're not like right? surprised. But like, bored. is it like a big event where like a bunch of press gets yeah, to see the movie is. on like the Wednesday mm-hmm. or Thursday night, and then the fr- the Thursday or Friday, it comes out. Mm -hmm. wide release but they have like different premieres in different cities
1: so there'll be like the new york premiere and then it'll be like the um the the london premiere you know or the the paris premiere
2: yeah and each of them drums up Mm -hmm. press right the point is to drum up press so like every single mainstream rag out there is is saying something about the new Mm James bond or whatever and and chris you're saying that there might be less of that because of streaming
1: yeah i I don't i don't see how there's going to be less of the promo I think that there's going to be even more promo because now you're not trying to get like, you know, you're trying, you're not trying to pack like as many people as you possibly can into a theater.
0: Right. But like the the whole mentality of like going to the movies, it's always like, Oh, we gotta go see it. Um, before like everyone else does or we we gotta go we gotta like get tickets in advance because it's gonna be sold out for like the next few weekends now it's just like as i said you can just l- turn I don't it know, on I try room, to go see things on as, as soon, soon as the they time. come out
1: simply because like even like with the mandalorian series it's like if i don't watch the mandalorian that weekend it's like it's all gonna be spoilers all over social media the next week <laughs>
0: yeah true. but the way you watch it, i'm talking about the way you watch it the way you cordon off your entire yeah, evening, uh, go out yeah, with your friends, I still do that and like, events, or like "Sound right, of Metal." Right, right. But yeah, but it's, it. it's not the same because you're you're in your home as opposed to going to a place and but making. That's what I'm saying. I, said, I don't think event. like it's when not really you're not event.
1: competing to sell the most amount of box tickets, box office tickets, and you're just competing for time streaming, then like I was thinking about it in terms of the money. Like Philip asked me earlier this week if this meant a boon for indies and smaller mid-budget dramas that have been disappearing ever since Marvel took over the industry. And um, like, okay, so if, if you're just now competing for our time spent streaming, why do you need to spend $180 million on a movie like Godzilla vs. Kong? Like if a two-hour movie is a two-hour movie and it's the same thing, then like what's the difference if I'm watching a $180 million movie or like a $7 million indie film? Like what counts for viewership anymore? Like, if people are oh, only it, watching, it yeah, like, the access. like it makes no difference. Like with streaming, there's no box office. So I actually think that Philip, like, I think that you're right. I think it's going to be a boon for indie movies and smaller mid-budget. I think there's going to be more movies than just like giant blockbuster tentpole movies. And but most it's of those them are going to come from America. Like I, hate, I, mean, I know that that's power like most. not so, the answer. That I I know that like some of us would like to see American soft power decrease, but I don't think it's going to happen.
0: Wait, why don't you think it's going to happen? Because
1: I just don't think it's going to. I think there's just going to be, because I think that like, I actually think that American soft power decreases if if you're trying to go with the box office model, which is making less high quality movies, but like just super, super expensive tentpole event movies that like aren't that like, they're not like Avengers movies, for example. Like they're not that good.
0: No, but that's the whole point because they're so easy to understand, were, not very so complicated and impressive. American movies were at their
1: strongest when there was like tons and tons of like mid-budget dramas. There were great comedies. There were great musicals. There was like maybe one or two tentpole events each year but the market Mm -hmm. was flooded with a variety of movies and the market is not flooded with a variety of movies anymore. It's like people only went to the theater. if like there's a new star Wars or a new Avengers movie. So if people are going to sit in their house and watch movies, then like, I think that there's just going to be more American movies coming out because you know, more and more smaller budget movies and mid budget movies are going to be greenlit.
0: All right. But here's the thing, like, People worldwide aren't gonna probably watch those because they've now got their own domestic things. Like back in the past, uh, Americans had more reach because a lot of those countries just didn't have their own real domestic industries. Nowadays, the only thing that American movies can really penetrate those markets with are the big dumb tentpole movies. So without those, that's what I'm saying. You you could be you're you're probably right in that the quality of American cinema could go up because those mid, indie mm-hmm. types of movies will rise, but those will probably not make it big outside of America. I, because as I said, those, those other countries have their own middle budget uh-huh. indie dramas that speak to them. So the only thing that really can perpetuate American soft power these days are the Avengers movies. And if those movies are cut down, then I do think American soft power will get cut down because they got, they got nothing else.
1: I don't know. I guess so. Like I feel, I, I feel like I'm very interested to see where it goes, but probably not from the American soft power. Perspective. I'm just kind of curious about like, um, like I cherish the theater experience, and I miss when every town had like its own theater. Like I love the cultural touchstone, but I'm also hypocritical because like I actually do prefer to watch movies at home.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you can you can do what I did and, and set up a. I mean, that's pretty much what a, I already did. We have a, like a, a sound system. Projector. We have
1: a big screen. Our family room is pretty much mm-hmm. just a screening room now. You know. And it's like yeah,
0: yeah. But you know, I I agree. With you. I think there is something very important about like,
1: yeah. I, going I, I, to I, I, I I like when I movie. think about growing up, and I think about all those movies that are just like icons, like E.T. and like Star Wars and Jaws. Like I never saw them in the theater. I saw them all like on VHS at home.
0: That, yeah. that's what that's what The Matrix has forever been ruined for me. I watched it on an airplane the first time. <laughs> I watched it on a a. Uh,
2: uh, a, a bus trip somewhere well but people, but exactly, people do but, that right like people watch movies like they watch tvs and tv shows and movies like on their phones like on their tiny screens like while commuting and stuff people watch these things in all sorts of ways yeah so, i don't think you can properly watch a movie unless it's what do you mean by properly unless you like disable
0: the keyboards because you're gonna get distracted and it's gonna kill the experience no you
1: have to have the tv set up or you have to have a projection or something
0: yeah yeah and and no mm -hmm. phones keep your phones like in your room you gotta do it properly anyway okay so let's move on to the next topic Uh, a few days ago there was a big blow up on twitter well at least you know by the corner of twitter that we pay attention to so there was uh, a YA author who you know every few weeks it seems one of these types of people (laughs) will go on a rant about how and and, you know they think they're being so uh radical Mm -hmm. by you know trashing a, a bunch of books that they don't like. It's always the same type of books. Do you have the tweet? It's by Ellen O,
1: who is the founder of We Need Diverse Books. And she's also a a middle grade and YA author. She lives here in Maryland.
0: Oh. (laughs) Oh, Yeah, she's like in Bethesda or something. Uh, Okay, I'll just read the first tweet she did and then list all the books that that she she named. Okay, so she says, this year... We should do a worst classic books ever list and why they should not be taught in K-12 schools anymore because they legit cause kids to hate reading. Number one on the list, Moby <laughs> Dick. It literally kills brain cells. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it literally doesn't. Um, then she goes on to trash. Call me dead. What is that? Uh, and the- What is wait, that? Wait. No, 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 it's not, the book's not Call Me Dead, she's, uh, never mind, <laughs> she's still talking about Moby Dick, but she <laughs> capitalized them, so I thought she was talking about the book. I, too, was like, what is this book? All right, second book, she uh, trashes Catcher in the Rye, which is always a favorite like target book.
2: of these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to ask, what do you like guys it. think of the book?
1: I liked Moby Dick,
0: too. I
2: I never read Moby Dick, I loved Catcher in the Rye, it's actually one of my favorite books from. Uh, oh, really? that I was forced to read in high school, I loved it.
0: Catch and the Rye, I think it's okay. Have you guys ever read like, I like Franny that and one Zoe? Better. I
2: hate that book. Oh, oh, it's, it's I like so Franny
0: irritating. and Zoe,
1: and I like so Nine I, Stories. I like all of J.D. Salinger's books.
0: Yeah, so I, I get these people's irritation with something like Catch and the Rye. They they probably think like Holden's a whiny little
2: bitch. No, 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 no. no, no. Does she, she explain what? Does she say but why? They, she but, just but that's like not the point.
1: The like, are, we're not supposed to like Holden Caulfield, right? So we're supposed right, to... Right, so yeah. like so, he's judging books based on like if we like the main character... Like the whole point of Catcher in the Rye was like, let's give us an antihero, someone that like you don't really root for, but he kind of makes some good points. I don't know. I feel like she missed the point, which is sad for someone who who like is a founder of We Need Diverse Books as an author herself.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip, to answer your point, sh- uh, no reason given. She just says, ah. Hey, and she's stop. got
1: like a Biden-Harris face mask, too.
0: Oh yeah yeah of course. And and Liza you're right. Yeah, you're not supposed to like Holden. And and see this is what this is what like irritates me about these people. Uh in fact, they probably don't really have the fact that he's irritating. I think they just don't like him cuz he's like a like a privileged white boy who's irritating. They would rather have like a probably a privileged girl of color who's <laughs> irritating. You know, that's probably what they want. Which hey, I'm all for irritating characters, but it's like let's let's have all of them then and so why particularly
1: right but she wants like an irritating woman of color character in like a 1940s or 50s like boarding school in new england and it's like okay yeah. like yeah um trust me the character won't be that bratty if it was a woman of color back then <laughs> at a boarding school in yeah. new england you can't you can't do that to holden caulfield you can't make him something else and still fit in the like force it to fit in the context of the time period, which is like what a lot of these YA authors what they do.
2: I mean, I'm yeah. just gonna say I'm just gonna in before they do a race or gender bent catch in the ride movie <laughs> at some point. You know it's coming. Oh dear God, you know it's coming.
0: Um well they're already race bending Gossip Girl. Uh, so they you know, race bent Anne Boleyn.
1: Yeah. And um David Copperfield. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. We still have to watch that David Copperfield. for V. I'm, I'm trying to find a way to watch it. Um, all right. Next book she trashes, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Can uh-huh. we stop with the racist books already? I've never read Huckleberry Finn. All I know is why some people think it's racist. Um, Wait, was again, it, was, it's like, I, I didn't
2: read it. Was this a, a racist book or like a lesson the about thing racism? The thing is, though, is
1: Mark Twain, like, have you ever read his stuff? The stuff that he says? Like his own feelings about politics?
0: What does it say? Um, No, I've not I mean, when it comes
1: to like Filipino history, for example, Mark Twain wrote about how despicable it was what the US was doing in the Philippines. So like he saw things exactly the way, well, not exactly because we have different standards today, but he did see that it was despicable Mm -hmm. what the US empire was doing and what imperialism meant for like people of color and like the global South.
2: Okay, that's a positive sign. Yeah.
0: But well, like in Huckleberry Finn there is a character named N uh, word Jim and I think he is oh my God. Okay. portrayed as well he I think he's a runaway slave, so he he's gonna like talk in a certain way and you know, Mark Twain obviously is not black, so some I think of the language will sound Wait, stereotypical, what year was it written? But what it's is also it a product like, of the nineteen
1: hundred like the early nineteen hundreds, that's how people talked.
0: Uh, if I think it's more like the the late nineteenth so century. So it's the late eighteen hundreds, uh, not even the nineteen hundreds. I
1: mean, that's how people yeah, talk about it. Yeah, it's probably somewhere around the. You can't force him to use the language that people use today in twenty twenty in like the late nineteenth century, like more than a hundred twenty years ago.
0: Yeah, and if if we're going to like cancel people, I, I'm sure like I'm sure Jane Austen, if if she were resurrected, would have some very anti feminist beliefs. So we'd have to cancel her. Bronte sisters I'm sure would have to get canceled for a certain belief they have about race and gender so
1: Yeah, I have something like I have something terrible to tell you about like every single artist that ever lived pretty much <laughs>
0: <laughs> Right. No,
1: the, the kinds of people that are part of like this woke literature crowd are the, the, they're the reason I stopped doing decolonize your bookshelves. I I just yeah, oh, yeah? I, I don't believe that these people truly believe in social or racial justice. I think that they just want to sell books and they lean really heavily on um, whatever the popular narratives on identity are. Because mm-hmm. um, now I'm not going to say that this is all the authors, but certainly some of them, like their writing just isn't strong enough. So they push this whole narrative mm-hmm. of identity is greater than good writing you know identity is more important than good writing that will still be impactful like generations from now like i guess there's a lot of shit literature that's out there right now that's being pushed as like essential it's like the new essential reading
2: like what kind of writing would they have to to produce for you to say they are they do care about like racial and social justice and they're not just doing it for profits like do they have to just like write more compelling realistic characters and not like lean too much into identity stuff and just tell a good story that teaches a lesson or like, what, what, like, cause you know, like this, I don't think there's anything wrong. No, with There's obviously nothing more... wrong with
1: it. It's just like, I'm, I'm, I question, I question their intentions. You know, it's like they're, they're, they're writing books about like with themes of like acceptance and like compassion, but then they like, This is the crowd that's so hardcore into canceling everyone for the slightest, Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, some people will call them debatable indiscretions.
0: Yeah. Even like people dead from like 100 to 200 years. And I think one of the reasons they do that is because I think they do fear that their writing uh, will never live up to Mm -hmm. those people's uh, whether in quality or esteem. (laughs) So their strategy is to essentially erase the past and disqualify themselves. Which
1: which I don't agree with. I don't agree with that at all.
2: Yeah, yeah. Does she give like uh alternative suggestions to these books or a list at the end that she'd prefer or what else? No, of no, course book? not. No, she's just no. like let's cancel these books. I'll keep reading the tweets. We got a
0: few more books to go. Uh the next couple of books um I don't think there's too much to say about them. The Canterbury Tales and The Scarlet Letter. I like Scarlet um, Letter. Yeah, The Canterbury Tales. Yeah, I mean The Canterbury Tales is hard to read. It's very long. It's, it's like old Mm-hmm. Okay, it seems kind of random to put it there. Okay. I know,
1: why not say so she just put like the Gutenberg Bible or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and the Scarlet Letter, oh, whatever. Um, don't have much uh, well, to say about that. So because I have that. a problem then, with the
1: Canterbury Tales. Like, I, okay, I'll, I'll admit, I didn't enjoy reading it when I had to read it in school because it's hard and it's supposed to be in English. I'm yeah. like, what's the difference between reading that book and like when we had to read like The Little Prince for French class? Like you had to sit there and you can't just read it. Like, you know, if, if French is not your first language and you're studying French, you can't just like sit down at night and like flip through the book and just read it and then put it down like it's a bedtime story. Like you do have to sit there and like you have to work with the words and you have to like translate it so that so you can understand its meaning. I don't like I, I middle English is at this point a different language. And that's the reason that they make kids read it.
0: Also, I don't think anyone actually has to read the entire of Tales. We, you probably just read a few, like The Miller's Tale or, or a few of the more well-known mm-hmm. ones. So, you know, I, I doubt they're forcing people to, to read the whole thing. Uh, then she trashes As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner. which I didn't read seems, that one. Uh, do kids have to read, read that? Read that? I feel like that's a, quite an advanced book. I recently tried reading The Sound and the Fury. It was very difficult. So I, I get her on this point.
1: Was that assigned to you in high school? The Sound and Fury?
0: No, no, no! I, I, I just picked it I up. Was out of my say, own I was going to say I, don't remember recently. having
1: any Faulkner assigned to me in high school.
2: <laughs>
0: I think some schools
2: do, but I do agree that's a bit too advanced. Uh, it's it, like so, trying to read Virginia Woolf well, in high her beef school. her too hard, like way too hard, and not like curricularly appropriate. Or she's saying there's some tr- like problematic contents in the book. No, she says so boring, so 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 boring. Okay. This one, I think she might have a point on. I will okay. say,
0: like you know, forcing kids to read Faulkner too early, not a not a recipe for success. And then. And then the last thing she goes for is obviously Ernest Hemingway. Anything by Hemingway Ah, because misogyny. Oh my God.
1: Like, okay. So if we're going to, if we're going to put Hemingway in the misogynist category, um, there's like a whole shitload of books that are just going to suddenly disappear.
0: Like almost every book I would think.
1: Yeah. Writers are like notoriously like they're egotistical and they're narcissistic and they are like It's it's It is kind of chauvinistic.
0: Well, especially like a yeah. long time ago. Uh, and like Ernest Hemingway was not even that long time ago. It was, was like only 100 years ago. You you want to go back like 200, which 300 years, Hemingway, even the women writers? Hemingway
1: books were assigned to us in school, like Old Man and the Sea? I remember reading that one.
0: I didn't read any. Then again, I'm from Canada, so maybe it's a little different for me, but I, I, wasn't, I didn't have to read any Hemingway in high school. Yeah, we did more British classics than American
2: classics, right? Mm-hmm
0: well the thing is i don't like hemingway either i mean i've read uh, a few of his books i I just think they're kind of boring I like so Fitzgerald i'm all for better. criticizing him on a, oh yeah um i'm all for criticizing him on a literary level but to just say because misogyny is just so that's so what about so the Twitter. one where she said it's
1: boring yeah. <laughs> which one did she call boring yeah
0: i mean as i lay dying.
1: oh i, I didn't read that one
0: catch it Ride was just ah and stop <laughs> <laughs> like I get that Twitter, you're not gonna have enough time to write a whole like uh, London Review Books uh, style of, of literary essay. But I mean, come on, you do have a few more okay, characters. So, to okay, so
1: okay, so have any of you ever read any of her own books before the woman? The no, woman no tweeting this. What, threat, have you ever read any of her own oh, books? No,
0: I mean, I'm not a middle grade. So I, <laughs>
1: I read a lot of middle grade just because I'm trying to pick out books for my kids to read. So I try mm-hmm, to read okay. stuff before I recommend it to my own kids. Read I read one books? of her books
2: okay, okay i'll
1: give it to her it's not that bad um okay but i wouldn't i wouldn't go ahead and and trash like Chatcher in the rye and like scarlet letter in favor of her book
2: mm-hmm. well, which i think is like, at region. the heart I, it, I think that's
1: what she's trying to do
2: you're saying this is she's trying to like create this new world order of like what are with her
1: and her colleagues are, as the replacements yeah
2: Right, and she obviously can't overtly say, "Oh, read my book instead." It's only nine ninety nine on. Well, they Amazon do say Harvard. that sometimes if you if you like... <laughs> really <laughs> see these people. Okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, in this instance, I don't think she did. But they are not above mm-hmm. doing that.
1: Yeah, so I'm just taking it a step further. Like, okay, will give me a recommendation if you asked her that, she probably would say, "Well, how's my book?" <laughs>
0: All right. mm-hmm. or or her friend and then her friend will mm-hmm. recommend mm-hmm. her yeah. you know it's that thing well we kind of talked about it in election I think where that childish thing where it's like oh I can't vote for myself so I'll vote for you <laughs> and then you can vote for me just like, vote for yourself then you know like if you can't promote your own, own self why should anyone else okay and then um, oh, there was a stupid tweet about the bodegas I don't even want to talk about this anymore no, I feel no, no, like no. This we should sp- talk about
2: the response to her thread right because she eventually took it down or something or like it got thrashed um, sure
1: I don't think okay, I was so on Twitter very much this week cuz I'm I'm missing a lot of stuff here.
0: Good cuz as I said this was like the dumbest week on Twitter. Um <laughs> so this woman uh said something like everyone outside of New York, how do you live without bodegas? Where do you get like two diet colas, uh I don't know, a pack of baking soda and uh a bag of peanut M&Ms on the serious? way out? And people were like, Yeah, and then people responded like uh lady, we have <laughs> Rite Aids and gas stations and stores. And then all her, uh, I think she was a comedy writer. She didn't have a blue check by her name, but, uh, you know, she had a sizable following. So, And I think her credits gave her uh, comedy writing credits. All her blue check friends came swooping down to rescue her. They all I thought it was York. unfair how she... <laughs> see, the one thing that kind of disturbed me was, okay, this was a, this was an annoying tweet, but it's, it's really not that big a deal. But then I even saw other bland blue check types piling on her because it's like when the nerds see a bigger nerd what? getting bullied and everyone just joins in like, oh, geez, I'm not the one getting bullied anymore, hee-haw kind of thing. That's the sentiment I got. i be
2: like, jeez, relax everyone. It's, I, it's annoying, but it's not that big a deal. I don't think I saw the original tweet, but I think I saw a response where someone posted a picture of like a pack of m ms some like paper towels, and I don't know what else, <laughs> like some really basic shit, right? And they're like, only in New York. And, and I, was, I was so confused about it. I was like, "What? like, is there like a special store? I guess it was in response to her tweet where she was being serious about believing you can only get these things in one spot if you live in the biggest city in, in the US.
0: But but even that is, see, the thing that was charmingly naive about this tweet is that is this the kind of tweet that somebody who who isn't cool but thinks they're a cool New Yorker would tweet because, it, it I mean, like, satire, boasting right? about Let's bodegas... About, it's
2: not satire. This is, like, she was, like, like being serious.
0: Yeah, boasting about bodegas is, is lame. It's like, at this point, you should know. If she were really, <laughs> like, trying to be cool, she would have been gone full contrarian and been, like yo, I love my Target. You know, I live right next to a Target or something like that. Because it's so corny to to like talk about, you know, bodegas. And if she were really like in the know, she would know that. So I, I thought it, it was, it had this like charming naivete
2: about it. I'm not, I mean, I'm not surprised. This is the kind of shit that, New Yorkers take, they take a thing that everyone else has and they pretend it's like unique to them, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? Like, because, yeah. you know, like people always, and it's not just like something this 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 bland. It's usually they'll say like, oh, did you know this is bodega where in the back there's like, you can get the, you know, the best shawarma in the city, but it's just like one corner spot that's been there for 30 years. And they, they just apply all this like history and like culture to it, where really you could see this in any reasonably big city. That, that's That's mm-hmm. the feeling I'm getting from this, but... I'm, yeah. I'm over it and they're called depths if you're they're called depth not bodegas that's <laughs> is the, that the that only thing no it's a montreal thing
0: oh okay <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean again twitter stupidity and the last twitter stupidity that we'll talk about today is the uh, round two of candace owens versus Harry Styles. round two Why is she so obsessed uh, with yeah, him yeah because there was a round one what oh uh, well, she probably she probably has the hots for him probably she's a, she's uh, a
2: blonde gun, gun girl right? no no, Candace Owens is the black woman. Oh shit! Okay, forget it. forget what I said. Yeah,
1: <laughs> she's black and MAGA.
2: I I don't even know the gun girl's name.
0: Yeah, she's oh. she's the black MAGA woman. Um, in case people don't know, round one, Harry Styles in some some uh fashion magazine had, was wearing like dresses. Yeah, it's and for stuff, like the then, new mm-hmm. Christian
1: Dior campaign or something, or is it YSL?
0: Oh, is it? It's an ad campaign. Oh, okay. uh, that makes sense. And then a few weeks ago, Candace Owens tweeted like, uh, where are all the manly men? Uh, people in the East know this. Why can't we get it in the West? Which I thought was very funny to tweet because like, what the hell? Like I thought East, by East, I assume she means like yellow Asian because that's what people mean in America. I was like, wait a minute. So Asian men are now too masculine. I thought we were too feminine. I don't know what these people, these people got to make up their minds. But now Harry Styles uh, came back with an Instagram post where he, he's now like in a
2: dress, I think. And he's like, he just, captioned it manly men and people are like oh go off harry styles well i don't understand was he was he wearing a like a skirt but he was also topless and super jacked had like a eight pack or something like what do you mean no 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 he was he was mocking her he was totally oh. in like a very
0: frilly dress okay and he was like saying like being a manly man or something uh okay. referencing candace owens i mean the whole thing is totally pointless because you're harry styles you could do anything you could wear like a, a pork chop on your head and people would think it's cool and he's and not the first person whatever. to do this though no like
1: kurt cobain and brad pitt did this in the '90s when they posed for interview in Vogue. Uh, yeah, really? Kirk Cobain was always forgot? wearing a house dress in like every interview, and then like,
0: oh, yeah. did he like polish his yeah. nails and, and stuff? Like when, uh, when Brad Pitt yeah. was
1: promoting Fight Club, um, of all movies, he wore a dress mm-hmm. in Vogue magazine.
2: I actually remember that, but I guess all these people now in media just don't recall or have blocked it's it out of their these minds because these people are to like have-
1: twelve years old forever. Okay.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Um, so my question is like, okay, uh, Harry Styles can do this. What if like the average guy? Well, did he'd this? probably I mean,
1: get, if he posted it on social media, he would get a whole bunch of likes. And then if he walked around like to the gas station wearing it, he would just be ridiculed. I mean, that's right. the truth. But that's also like everywhere. Like I guarantee if you did this in like Italy or something, or like, I don't know, like the Philippines, it would be the same thing. You would get a whole bunch mm-hmm. of like rah-rah, like likes. And then in real life, people would just gawk at you and probably take pictures of you or just, like, you know, laugh at you.
0: Yeah, including the people who probably gave you the likes in the first place.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's different online, right? Um, Is this akin at all to in the the aughts when guys started wearing pink polos? Or is that different?
0: No, the pink polos was, like, a very... Because the pink polos associated with frat bros. I think that was them asserting i am so manly that i can afford which which harry styles oh, no, is, is kind it, of doing yeah, too it, isn't this um, yeah, that's what i'm
2: saying right isn't the same thing you're right I, yes you know to a point i think you are correct like I, which is why so i don't like, give harry styles a lot of credit where here where it's yeah.
1: very macho you know like um So, like, Japanese culture or, like, Latino culture, like, it's so macho that, like, the guys will, like, they'll get manicures and they'll go and get facials and, like, massages and they'll pamper themselves, (laughs) you know? Or or if you think about, like, Latino men, like, um, or, or like, Italian men where it's very chauvinistic and they'll wear, like, I don't know, they take very special care of, like, their shirts and, like, unbutton it and they'll show off, like, their chest hair. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I, I heard that in Spain, in Spain, haircuts are cheaper because you you get them many times like a month you get them like every two weeks kind of thing. Like, and what about you, oh, like this really? barbershop uh-huh. culture
1: in the U.S. Like, don't people get like don't people yeah, get like yeah. touch ups pretty quick like pretty, you know? The more wealthy you are, especially, it's like.
2: But it's one thing to touch up like a really like manly yeah, like, hairstyle. Yeah, don't, don't you know? like don't uh, like a uh, lot of rappers but, like
1: they bring but, their barber on tour with them, so then get like a sure. But they're getting <laughs> hair, like, they get, they're like, getting a hairstyle like, like touch ups on.
2: On hairstyles yeah that that are considered masculine male manly whatever they're not getting like petty petty (laughs) mannies on a weekly basis right like that's different right they're not they're not doing like a skincare routine uh on a weekly basis that's different right because those are those are those are kind of things that are considered you know in the female realm of of beauty and beauty standards so Mm -hmm. it it depends right like i think guys can i mean With with skincare, there's always all these jokes now about like Korean skincare routines. And, the
1: 12-step like, routine. K- Korean yeah. guys
2: having great hair. Yeah. And I think some guys, like, if you if you if you're on like um yeah, male Reddit and you like look at what they're saying about, you know, fashion, skincare, hair, and so on, like they're really lean, like they're they're down for better skin. Like it's one of the top pieces of advice for like, how do I make myself look better? It's like, take care of your skin. Right? But not too yeah, long. Yeah, it ago. is important. Yeah, it is important. And but not too long ago, people were like, oh my God, like you, you know, you're doing a face mask? Like, are you a girl? Uh. It, it's just uh, the, the conversation is a little bit different now but i think jumping into a dress is still considered like the deep end
1: probably mm-hmm.
2: but yeah, harry yeah styles I, mean, I
0: think you i think you gotta be a harry styles you have to,
2: yeah uh to to do that you can't just be a
0: regular tom dick and harry and do that or you know e- even the people praising harry styles will ridicule
2: you which i think is the hypocrisy uh, like on a regular like this is not mainstream this is nothing you can do in the office or like going out on the weekends or whatever right it's gotta be for yeah, a this is like vote. high fashion yeah, yeah high people fashion, are crazy there. So. yeah yeah
0: okay so why don't we get to uh what's supposed to be the main uh meat of this episode which is the movie long shot and how it relates to what hassan minaj said about uh men of color versus you know schlubby white male actors Uh, first of all what'd you go yeah Um, please go ahead so we
1: decided to watch the movie long shot which is from 2019 because of a Hassan Minhaj clip that was trending a week or two ago about men's looks and how it affects their abilities to get roles in Hollywood. So, like, white dudes have the biggest range. There's, like, schlubby white guys who get the hot one. Um, and this is one movie where that happens. So Charlize Theron is – she's just about one of the most beautiful actresses in Hollywood. And Seth Rogen is – um not. He, he's fat and, and he's Rogan. funny and he's a weedhead. <laughs> and in this movie, not only is Charlize beautiful and successful and smart, she's also the secretary of state who is preparing for a presidential run. And the only problem is that polls show that she's not funny enough. So her team of handlers hires an out of work Brooklyn journalist, Seth Rogen, to punch up her speeches and make her funnier and more likable. And it's been billed as a romantic comedy, but I think it's more of a comedy with some romantic elements. Um, I think that it doesn't have the tropes that rom-com has, that rom-coms usually have not enough to to put it in rom-com land.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also worth mentioning that his character is like, he, I, I understand he's supposed to be like not the most remarkably attractive guy kind of schlubby, but also he, he's not a complete like loser either. Right. He had a, he had a job. He lost it because he quit right on purpose uh because of his own kind of moral and you know his mm-hmm. own values and moral mm-hmm. standards so he has yeah, some his int- paper
0: gets bought up by fox news that's right that's right he
2: has integrity which he, he he plays on throughout the the movie as well so it's, it's not a complete like you know super attractive super maximum success maximum attractiveness versus like the you know the worst homeless piece of shit or whatever you want to call him right so he, he's got something he's going not
1: a loser him. yeah
2: he's not a complete loser. He's just kind of, he just is perceived to be a loser, right? By the way he looks and the way he like, you know, gets trashed at at parties and stuff like that. it's it's
1: because like, so typically when writing comedy, um, there's like the odd couple. And this is one of those odd couple situations where it's like, you've got the straight man and the wise guy. And so Charlize would be the straight man as in like the serious one. And then, um, Mm -hmm the uh seth rogan would be like the wise ass it's mm-hmm, just very mm-hmm. typical comedy writing yeah. and it's like oh, it's where buddy comedies come from cop comedies you know like
0: yeah i mean i i know we we wanted to watch this for like the looks mismatch thing but i was just so taken like, distra- like distracted from that question by how much of just like a total elite liberal fan fiction this was from from Charlie's character's perspective, or from like no, the, for the whole story, because like this is like a fantasy scenario, like a like a fever dream of of like a pro Hillary type of person. Because Charlie Stirens obviously supposed to be Hillary Clinton, except like younger and and hotter and not as objectionable. So basically, uh, Hillary, uh, but not of, Hillary. Of she- like she's likable, <laughs> she's hot, right.
1: and she's like younger, and she's uh, a
0: <laughs> she's yeah, and then friendly, um, and then the current president. Who, who's actually of our own party. is supposed to be like a really watered down Donald Trump. He's played by uh, Saul from um, Breaking Bad. And he's supposed to be this vain TV star who's actually only became president in order to become a movie star, which is why he's not seeking a <laughs> second term. So he's this kind of like Trumpian figure who only became popular through TV. But he, take away like pretty much everything that makes Trump interesting uh, is now this guy. And then you got the whole thing with the Canadian prime minister, who's obviously supposed to be Justin Trudeau but he's single. Is it the
1: Alexander Skarsgård character, right?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Who played creepy ass abuser Perry from Big Little Lies is also kind of creepy, is the kind of creepy <laughs> <laughs> prime minister. But there's all this, ooh He's is, the son um, of one of
1: my favorite Charlotte, actors of all is... time. Yeah.
2: Oh, and Skarsgård?
0: Oh, that's they are related. I just thought it was a common Swedish last name. There's like oh, four Skarsgårds
2: okay. in the movie biz, right? Uh,
0: there's Peter. I don't know. Um, there's Isn't Peter he married Sarsgard, to Maggie but Gyllenhaal? But that's not the same guy. Is he? Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, Peter Sarsgaard. Are do you they mean?
1: related? I know that Alexander.
0: I think they're all related. No, no, dude. no they have they're totally different uh, last names. They just kind of sound it, with, and, I know that Alexander and
1: and Kellen. Uh, I mean, um, Alexander and Stellan are um, they are oh, okay. father and son. That's
0: that's pretty cool. But anyway, so you got it, it's kind of like this. Uh, as I said, supreme liberal political fantasy where like Hillary Clinton is good. She's like young and vibrant and attractive. And then Seth Rogen is obviously supposed to be like the bearded Brooklyn bro. Who what, Who probably would be a Bernie Sanders supporter in real life, but in here he's totally enraptured. You're right by that he was a Bernie Charlie Sanders Staron supporter character. in
1: real life.
2: Oh, like actually, yeah. Seth Rogen. Oh okay. <laughs> oh okay. Well, that makes a sense.
0: But in the movie, he's basically uh, bent to sh- uh, the Charlie Theron characters. will. he gets his all like uh, he learns the lesson of politics in real life and compromise. And in the end, he becomes essentially like a like a good house husband to her president. Surprise, surprise! She becomes president. And the last line in the movie is he says, "Well, she's my president," which is almost the the political slogan for the hillary <laughs> true, campaign. Yeah. and it's just like this is so childish and there were so so many things about the movie that I felt out of date. you had the o'shea jackson character who was like the, the black bass friend mm-hmm. you know, and and this whole depiction of new york even though it was it was like 2019 when it came out it really felt kind of like this uh you know early 2000s new york where like everything just happened midtown that's like the, <laughs> the, the center of new york city midtown and and you know uh charlie saran's character's main issue is environmentalism which is very very important but it's also completely edgeless you know because it'd be one yeah, it'd be thing, one if, thing if, if she was talking her, about like, like
1: lands rights and like um, if she was like very anti mega extraction corporation
2: exactly
0: but she's very ge- but, yeah, no she's more like we, we gotta take
2: care of the oceans guys <laughs> bet, yeah, uh, but, it's very like first lady i, I, like, I noticed that too know. but i didn't really give a shit that it was very shallow on the political bits I love because this movie. <laughs> it's not a political movie right it's like this is not really meant to like it, it hit the beats on like the fake hillary fake trump fake trudeau because it was it, it make, makes it topical and relatable i don't think it was meant to actually be like good writing in that sense
0: yeah i i, I thought it was such a revealing look into these people because this is like what they really really mm-hmm. wish happened and yeah. I, it was very informative in that regard like i didn't like the movie I oh i thought it was a, movie, it was a great I movie i love very, this I, movie. I was glad i watched this yeah I think it's funny (laughs) but I was glad I watched it though because I thought as I said it it was very good like research I thought it was
1: um, I thought it was a clever satire of the political world and it's not just a bunch of Trump jokes like cheap Trump jokes which is what I was expecting
2: Mm, true especially like in uh, 2018-2019 when it's produced yeah like I I enjoyed
1: that party at the beginning of the movie like remember the Boys to Men concert I thought that was funny Mm -hmm. I like um I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was very clever. I thought it was well written. I like. I like the uh, Jonathan. The Jonathan. Uh, what's his name? Jonathan Levine. Is that how you pronounce it? The director. Oh, the, yeah, uh, yeah. The producer. Uh, is he's a director. An actor he directs horror? all of producer. Seth Rogen's movies. I like that. I like that collaboration. Oh, the two okay, of okay. them together.
0: Yeah. Wait. Did he make Pineapple Express?
1: Mm, I think so. Yeah. If Seth Rogan's in it, I'm pretty sure he made it
2: let me look it up while you so guys the, talk philip what did you think of the yeah, movie that's okay I, I thought it was okay i didn't think it was super great um i thought like seth rogan kind of carried it with his quips and stuff but like mm-hmm. um i i try to ignore all the political stuff the only interesting political bit in the movie was that kind of out of place scene towards the end where o'shea jackson uh and seth rogan are having that like debate about politics and turns yeah. out that o'shea jackson who is like the more successful he's like a i don't know he's like a banker investment banker or something but he's a republican right mm-hmm. and then seth rogan makes like a slightly racist remark about his like golden cross because he thinks he's wearing it's black <laughs> and he's like oh shit am i a racist and there, there's this kind of like this is kind of like bit where they get into like oh okay like there's a lot of misunderstanding between Dems and republicans mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. it was very out of place but i thought it was interesting that they inserted it there like it was meant to be some kind of teachable moment or something i don't know
1: okay so jonathan um, levine also wrote and directed the wackness which is a movie that i really really love um he did Fifty okay. Fifty, which i also liked great um, movie
2: like that GGO. and
1: i didn't see the i didn't see warm bodies or the night before
0: Anyway, uh Philip, as you were talking about that that scene with O'Shea Jackson, it's like it is again, it's it's like pinning this on the on the Bernie bro. You know, it's like you need to learn to uh open your mind and and not um be so na- uh narrow-minded and judgmental. And it, it was such like a cause cause you know the Hollywood liberals hate those types, and it was it was so I thought transparent. Wasn't it, wasn't it more how, of a
2: condemnation of just like mainstream Dems? Because it's saying like mainstream Dems are so anti-Trump, they can't even like have a conversation with a Republican who is like a perfectly reasonable person. Right. But who gets the the end
0: of that criticism in the movie? It's not It's not Charlotte. It's not Charlize Theron or her, no, it's Seth her Rogan. minions. It's Seth Rogen. Right. Which is... Which is like weird because like, uh, the Bernie bro is also accused of being too sympathetic to, you know, conservatives and, and I guess I can see it Jesus as Bob. like,
1: I don't think it encourages people to hate Bernie bros and I don't think it encourages like, um, schlubby fat white guys who are unemployed to go chase like super hot successful women. Like, I don't, I don't think it encourages any of that.
0: I think that's the joke. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it was designed that way but it's like, you get to see... It's just a natural product of how these people think. And this is the type of movie they right, come up with Right, but it's not why the
1: joke works? Because it's such a suspension of disbelief?
0: Uh, but no, see, it doesn't... Again, it, it fails as a satire, though, because it, it's actually... I think it's pretty successful as only, a satire. Only, like, fractional... Okay, but the thing... The problem is, like, it's only fractionally I mean, I, see, I see how, they, I see how they
1: see it, and I also, like... Um, I don't. They they may like. I think it's funny the way that they put it out, and also it doesn't change my politics in any way.
0: No. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, but you know, like with satire, well, you do a satire. You take something that that's like in real life, and you make it absolutely ridiculous. But this movie does the opposite. It actually desatirizes Trump into a perfectly. Uh, almost normal democratic <laughs> president who's very so, vain. Okay, yeah. so
1: ev- okay, it, in every single presidency, it's like if you you can watch how presidents are portrayed on screen. Like during the Trump era, the presidents have always been portrayed as like these doofy, just completely pompous, just complete assholes. And then like during the, like, like, remember the Clinton years, like in the nineties, it's like an independence day. Remember how like good hearted Danny Glover was as the president. And then in like the movie contact.
0: Uh, Bill Pullman, you mean? Oh,
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah. Bill Pullman (laughs) was, and I'm thinking of 2012 where Danny Glover plays the the president, but that movie was made in 2009. That was smack in the middle of the Obama years. And then in the movie Contact, where you got Angela Bassett as the president, and that was also the Clinton years. And then like contrast that to like the Bush years, where it's like in Love Actually, Billy Bob Thornton plays the president, and he's like, I don't know, like a sex predator, <laughs> like totally crass.
0: Right. Right. So, so oh yeah. So, so wh- what's the point you're making? The
1: point is that it depends on who the president is that they how they portray him in the movie. So this is made in the middle mm. of a, the Trump era, so they make him out to be like Trump. Trumpian
0: right but I'm saying if it were satire you gotta you gotta go crazier than Trump or else it's why well why should I just watch like CNN and and get my yeah, comedy because from in there this movie, the real Trump yeah because in this
1: movie he's still this a guy. democrat
2: yeah and I, I think that's that's why the movie doesn't work because it's pulling its punches too much maybe they don't want to turn off like Trump voters who who want to watch this movie <laughs> right there's still a lot but of them I mean,
0: do you really think a bunch of Trump voters are going to watch a movie that pretty much tells them that Hillary should have been president? And- well, I don't know if the not thing know I'd in. I would say
1: dumb, that a, the entire time I watched the movie, Seth I don't Brogan, think that right? Hillary like, ever crossed my mind, ever.
2: You guys are putting way too much emphasis on the politics in this movie. But I this just, sounds, like, I we just never, get back see, to the I never <laughs> see
1: Hillary and Charlize.
2: I mean, come on. She's a blonde secretary of state
0: who is hated by the public because she like sticks her elbow out too much when she waves. I mean they they say that in the movie. I mean it's clearly supposed to be Hillary. Yeah, but
2: uh, what I'm saying is who cares, right? Yeah, that's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie I is to talk about I'm this going mismatch between, between Charlie's talk the there and the
1: Hillary talk It's like who cares.
0: But I but it's inseparable because it it informs why the rest of the movie I mean quite frankly sucks because <laughs> like their, their politics are terrible and it they wear it so Did you like it's the movie, Dunkirk, the movie has, Chris. is Yeah. And I'm not saying that a movie like can't Like that movie's more right-wing uh, than this movie is. And, Oh no! I don't have a problem that this movie. I don't. I, mean, I don't think this movie is right-wing. It's, I think it's but I'm saying liberal.
1: the movie Dunkirk mm-hmm. is more right-wing than this movie. I know you're not
0: right-wing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not saying that I didn't like Longshot because it was political. I'm saying I didn't like Longshot because it was so clumsily and badly political. Like I think it can be
2: good political. I don't think I don't it was. Know, I don't think it was, it was a political it was, movie. It was, I
1: mean, it's more of a. It, was only, it comedy, was only political yeah, because I,
2: the, setting was, the setting was around a character who's Secretary of State. Of course, there's going to be some elements of politics to it, right? But it's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is to, to discuss the, the mismatch between a person like a Seth Rogen and a person like a Charlize Theron. That's the point of the movie.
0: I mean, th- I think that's what they might have tried for, but their politics was so... They, like They couldn't hide it, and it just ends up permeating the movie. This so movie much.
1: made me like that song um, by Roxette. It may, it must have been love like all over again.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the movie yeah, from like Pretty movie Woman, too. right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's been so long since I've seen Pretty Woman. I like Forgot everything about
2: it. <laughs> there's quite a bit of uh, there's quite a bit of like of 80s, mostly 90s, like throwback shit in this movie, a- as movies like this for millennials um would contain, right? Like boys to yeah, men. Yeah, a and lot of pop culture too.
1: references for pop from like the 90s. See,
2: I don't stuff, think right? it was for boys to men.
0: I mean, not for obviously not for boys to men. I don't <laughs> think it was for millennials. I think it was for probably like people like 40 and up, like the, the people who would have most mourned the, the the like 2016 loss on on like a deep. A personal level
1: so gen xers
0: maybe there's this like glossiness to this because it's supposed to be uh like, like a hip temporary movie uh contemporary movie you know like the seth rogan uh thing with his uh newspaper is supposed to mirror the gawker mm-hmm. and, uh mm-hmm. buyouts and everything mm-hmm. a movie this actually reminded me a lot of is a movie called the intern have you guys ever seen that with anne hathaway yeah, and robert it. de niro i actually like that movie it's a nice movie but it, it it's obviously um like an older, pe- like older people trying to depict uh, a very youthful phenomenon, which is the whole tech world and all that. And there's something off because it, it just lacks a certain kind of graininess to it. That that's the same uh, thing I got with this. Like, like I Seth think Rogan that you wanted is, it to be know, like wearing- a very
1: subversive comedy, and it's just not.
0: <laughs> Possibly.
1: Like it. Because we can't like. Uh, there are subversive comedies out there, but this isn't that. And I think that what this is, is um, what it tries to be just like a very simple surface comedy, uh, a feel-good comedy. I think it works there.
0: Yeah. I th- yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a feel-good comedy for like heartbroken liberals. I and mean, there is a scene where Seth Rogen literally jerks off. <laughs> <peace> <laughs> I mean, that just shows you. Yes. Remember true. that scene? That's the, that's the thing that like sets off the whole uh, blackmailing thing with the Charlie's Darren mm-hmm. character. <laughs> so so this this was aimed aim for people who still get turned on <laughs> by political speeches. <laughs> oh, okay, anyway, um oh, we're almost right on time. Um any any like last minute stuff people want to hash out uh topics that we already talked and yeah, things like that. Yeah, back
1: to um long shot. Um like as much as I like it, I don't think it's going to age that well. So Chris, I think yeah, that like <laughs> if we revisit this movie in like 10, 20 years, Chris, I will probably agree with you mm-hmm. in the, in, by that <laughs> time. But for now, because it's so fresh, like, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 too, it's too current, you know, it's too much of a moment that uh, it will not hold up over time. It's not one of those political commentaries that will last. It's not like all the president's men or like JFK. You said it was oh, yeah.
2: well accepted at, at South by Southwest. Why was it, why did people like it? Well, though?
1: I think because it's a very, I think that people tend to, I think that they like feel good comedies with happy endings. Does anybody, okay, so like, let's think of some like really, really good movies with like really harrowing endings. Like, like does Requiem for a Dream, like does it leave you with a good feeling <laughs> when you walk out of the theater? No. <laughs> you want to like vomit, or you like or like eternal sunshine which is also very well received but it's not like it's not like it's not like you walk out of the theater and you're like man i feel great
2: <laughs> all right so what you're saying Liz, is that south by southwest the film festival part of south by southwest is not a very highbrow not one bit That's is i'm saying. not
1: saying that at all i am <laughs> saying that i think that people like just in general they like happy endings, and they like to. I think that they like to laugh, and they enjoy happy endings, no matter how unrealistic they are.
2: And Seth Rogen's likable. He he plays that likable guy, and Charlize Theron's very beautiful, so she plays that likable female character, and that's it's a nicely you know wrapped up package. Yeah, it's very
1: self contained.
2: Oh, there's one thing I I wanted to mention. Okay, so th- uh, there's this a part where
0: uh, I think this is when they first sleep together. Or might might not be the first time, but Seth Rogen thinks she's like really like stuck up and <laughs> something. But then she decides to show him how wild she is, and she says like, "Oh, like fuck me from behind and slap my ass." Like, what in what world is that considered like out there? Isn't it supposed again, to be a joke? pulling punches? But it's it's like maybe to, to the crowd that's aimed for it would be a joke, but I think that for most like
2: youngish to younger people be like what the hell that isn't that just like normal sex yeah she says like choke me a little bit at the end there too right which is like yeah that seems... I, again that's like
0: and then seth Rogen's like so my his mind is so blown that she would she would say that and i, I couldn't tell if it, it was that because
2: that in and of itself well, isn't is it supposed explicit, to be because, because she's secretary a very stiff state?
1: like awkward secretary of state Yeah, that's
2: a joke that's
1: like she's that's not some chick yeah, that he met her, like, then you, at the bar or at the club
2: I, I think that's a joke, and the joke will land for most people. It just won't land for people like maybe the three of us or you guys who watch way more. Because I'm depraved. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, who, who does yeah. this on a nightly basis? You know. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, like like Liza was saying, it's like a feel good mainstream movie. So it, it does a decent job at that, but it's not a great movie. certainly not a great political Mm-mm. movie.
1: No, like yeah, mm-hmm. if I was if I was recommending movies. Like political movies, this is not up there with like this, yeah, this is, not is not JFK is not, or it's not Frost Nixon, be. you know, which I finally saw.
0: No. Oh yeah. I still watch like random JFK clips on YouTube like when it's <laughs> late at night and I'm like don't really have anything wow. to do. It's just so good. It's just every scene is It gold is a good movie. movie. I
1: just think it's funny that this is what I, I like I, I try to imagine you like trying to go to bed at night and like I'm gonna I'm gonna watch some JFK clips because <laughs> the world isn't like the world isn't harrowing enough. <laughs>
2: I briefly thought you meant like watch like the real JFK speeches oh. <laughs> on YouTube or something. <laughs> off yeah, that's right. Like like you do on a nightly um, basis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I,
0: th- I think that's a good way to end it. Um, Tottenham plays Arsenal today, North London Derby. Oh, thank you for joining us for this episode. We'll get you next week with another one. So stay tuned for another unverified accounts in a few days. Bye, Bye everyone.